Hey, Connor. Hey, Dylan. I'm still shaking from this legendary, instantly classic chat mm-hmm. with Janine Mason, mm-hmm. the star of Roswell, New Mexico, aka my favorite show on the CW. We want to tell you, our listeners, about our Patreon. Here's the scoop. There's weekly twin talk episodes with your favorite twins, a.k.a. what's happening right now. (laughs) More than 40 plus already in the archive episodes, videos, and access to close friends, first dibs on new merch, and more. It's just $5 a month to join our Patreon fam at patreon.com slash the drama podcast. What are you waiting for? Now, time for the show. Come on, Karen Cartwright. (laughs) Press play, curtain up an hour in, it's time to take skin, the shade and tea to spill, ooh, Ooh, drama, drama. oh, that's a tweet, did they book, who got none, they option no, I'm not well, what What star will we talk to today, oh, that's a gag, honey, say no more, drama. drama, drama, welcome to drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. In, in New, New York, York City, City and the world. world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Connor, it has been a hot minute since we've actually done this. I know. The last time we recorded was truly in the middle of Pride Month. And you know what? We made it. We were dehydrated is all I can really say about that. I'm still dehydrated. I don't think I can ever do that again. The no. like four hours of sleep, five days in a row of, you know, club partying i'm just i'm making my life seem way more fun than it is but we need to talk about one thing because you know we do like to to hearken into our theater roots every now and then of course news broke today after months of rumors waitress is returning to broadway for a limited stint it's what we deserve and you know what it's sarah Bareilles is going to win her waitress tony for this because i think it's technically a revival so famously waitress hamilton won everything that year except for like set design at the tonys and i think waitress deserved a few of those awards and i hope that maybe sarah Bareilles wins an acting tony for best actress in a musical for the revival of waitress i hope that this works out for her because it's what she deserves and i'm so gagged I know. And that score and oh my God. And you know what? Thinking about it, they have so many opportunities to do some unique casting. They, they kind of got into it throughout like the original run, but I think I'd love to see a Jenna of size this time around. Wait, oh my God. Speaking of a Jenna that we kind of forgot about, but you know, Jordan Sparks played her yes. towards the end of its run. Only for like a month. Oh my God. Well, Waitress posted yesterday, like we have an announcement tomorrow and it showed like it in front of the theater and there was a box and Jordan Sparks commented on the Instagram. What? (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of like, Oh no, she's out of the loop here. I know. Maybe she'll come back because Sarah's only doing it for a month. So who knows who they're going to bring in, but you know who would be fun for them to put into waitress? Who? Our guest today. (laughs) (laughs) I love this idea. And also Mm -hmm. I've seen her wearing a diner outfit before yes yes it's almost too easy mm-hmm. like we need to send this away to the casting directors yes the weislers let's call them up let's call them up. why don't you bring in our guests because kind of this when we call this a gag it's a get and a gag that's a gag honey say no more i'm so ready she's been in our lives for years and i'm just gonna dive into it okay mm-hmm. so our guest today is a true star she's perhaps best known as the leading lady biomedical engineer boss liz orteco on the hit series roswell new mexico on the cw of which the third season premieres on july 26th in 2009 our guest rose to instant fame as the first cuban-american winner of fox's so you think you can dance's fifth season also clenching the title as the youngest winner in the show's history. 
That's legendary. The dancing queen turned her talents to acting very soon after, having recurring roles on Grey's Anatomy. Okay, let that sink in. Bunheads of Kings and Prophets, Hollywood Heights, and more, with appearances on Big Time Rush, CSI, Awkward, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, Criminal Minds, and much more. You might even know her voice from Trolls, Trollstopia. You'll surely recognize her from the instant holiday classic, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. As Felicity, and we are so looking forward to her upcoming starring role with Blair Underwood and Sarah Silverman in Viral. We're gagged to be in the presence of this queen. Please welcome to drama, Jean Jean Mason. Mason. I loved every part of that. Thank you. That's so sweet. And I feel unworthy, but I will rise to the occasion. Oh my goodness. No, what what everyone needs to know is that you are in full glam right now. You are truly a star. You're Dorit Kemp on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with your full glam team, everything. You 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 look unbelievable. I will never pass up an opportunity to get them in my apartment and get us working together. Working first after this year and second working together. So it's been so fun. Everybody's just like ready to play. And today, Jorge, my stylist, picked this like blue situation. And Carolina Dali, the makeup artist, was like, we're going with the blue eye. I was like, yeah, babe, I'm here for it. Let, let's go. Amazing. Wait, and so are you in New York? I am. I'm in New York. I live in New York City. And um, I've always wanted to be back on the East Coast. I'm from Miami originally. So I was in LA for a long time. And then when Roswell started, we shoot in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I, I spent half the year there. And this will be the fourth year I'm doing that. So I sort of thought, well, I think this is my opportunity to get back to the East Coast. And and my niece was born. So it was oh, yeah. like all came at the right time. She's in Miami with the rest of my family. So now I'm back on the East Coast and I've never been happier. It has been, even with this wild year being in Miami, has mm-hmm. been a dream. Don't you agree? Like, it's just, it's a special thing to be here and be a part of like contributing to the energy of the city when everybody's just looking for a little, you know, reminder, a little thing, keep them like moving through the day. I've, I've loved it. Oh my God. Absolutely. Wait, and doesn't New Mexico also get really cold secretly? Like people don't really know that, but it gets yes, freezing. Friend. I had no idea. I really did not have any frame of reference for New Mexico before this job other than Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> it gets so damn cold there. And, um, yeah, one of my like evil little things I do to myself is when I'm freezing on set and we're like, you know, it's a sci-fi show. We shoot like nights. We're like out in the middle of nowhere. There's not a thing to break the wind. And uh, I will look on my iPhone at like what the temperature is in Miami or in New York at the time and just myself like mm. that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm curious. So do you have like a home in New Mexico that you live in or do you all like rent places during filming? Yeah, we so that's been the amazing thing. A lot of my castmates, if I could speak for them, they've like absolutely fallen in love with New Mexico. It's a special place, especially Santa Fe. It's this like cute little mountain town and it's super, there's a huge art scene there. And it's just this very special you know, cross-section of native culture, which I've never had the pleasure of living in such a a predominantly native place of Spanish culture, of Mexican culture, all of it just like, it's this gorgeous, just, you know, tornado of it. I love that place. Um, And a lot of my cast, two of my castmates are are Mexican citizens now. Three of them have bought homes there. Everybody's just obsessed. I still rent because I, you know, use all my monies to buy a shoebox in New York City. (laughs) Right. Well, of course. (laughs) But I'm not mad about the choice and I'm happy to um, 
to visit New Mexico. I mean, honestly, when this, whenever this gig is done, I will always go back. I've had just such a great experience. It's my first time leading a television series. And I just feel so fortunate that it happened there because our crew is just so excited about the film boom that's happening in New Mexico. And, and they've just like really taken care of me and created this like beautiful environment for me to try to rise to this occasion of leading a network television show. And, and so I have forever friends there. So I'll, 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 first of all, I'll say yes to any film that shoots there. That's, that's the secret my team get out, <laughs> is that I'm going to say yes to whatever job shoots there um, moving forward, because I'll, I'll just take up any excuse to be back there. Of course. That's so wow. awesome. Oh my God. I want to dive totally into Roswell and truly your entire amazing career that you've had. But before we do, I'm wondering, Janine, are you well? Oh, I love you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, I am, I'm on the up right now. I feel well. I, I think, um, you know, it was hard to work through the pandemic protocol on this film set. Mm-hmm. Obviously so glad to be working and so glad to see, you know, the 250 plus people who work like on our stages in Santa Fe back to work. But the protocol felt really isolating I'm, I'm the person who like constantly hops on a plane to like make it to my girlfriend's birthday in Miami on Saturday night and I'll be back in Santa Fe by like noon on Sunday you know and I couldn't have visitors either and and just you know it's it's sort of like counterproductive in the sense that like we're so accustomed to being comfortable and the amount of comfort we have is I think directly proportional to how much creativity and vulnerability we can then have So the idea of just being so literally guarded and covered, it was really scary to me um, to try to imagine as number one, I consider myself like chief comfort officer where I'm like, I just want (laughs) everyone to be happy on myself and creative and and in an environment where they're getting to do their best work. And that felt like an impossible (laughs) hurdle, but we made Mm -hmm. it work and and I'm so proud of us for that. And so in all of all the shows that now we're getting to watch, I feel like we're having like a TV moment where we watch yes. things that were shot in pandemic protocol going like, how did Elizabeth Moss do that in the pandemic? Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. It didn't feel like a COVID season. You know what I mean? And, and that's, I think, the biggest compliment we could give these shows and these films that are managing it, you know. So I feel so much better now to be just seeing things relax in that way on my spirit. It's like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm just excited for all of us to just get creative in these environments that, you know, um, are going to feel hopefully month by month a little more, you know, how we're accustomed to making our work. I think so. And obviously y'all got a fourth season. It was like announced early. So you'll be able to at least go back to it and hopefully it'll feel more like the the earlier vibes or like season two, at least where there's more of a party vibe or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can hug people again. Yes. And this is crazy. So our first episode back since we're 13 episode season and someone mm-hmm. check my map, this is wrong. But um, our first episode back of season four will be our 40th episode. So our 11th episode of season four will be our 50th episode of the wow. show, which is just seems insane to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, listen, the protocol, I'm here for it, but can we celebrate 50 episodes? <laughs> right. Right. I know. Oh my God. And you're in every single episode. I mean, as you were saying, you are the star, you're the leading leader. You're the top of the call sheet, the star, and you carry the show so beautifully. I'm obsessed with your performance. I'm obsessed with you. But Dylan, Dylan and I were talking earlier and we were like, well, specifically me, my favorite kind of show is like a 
kind of teen vibe mystery romance with gay themes. And whenever I sell Roswell to people, I'm like, it's basically about bisexual aliens solving mysteries and like Mm -hmm. having like daily drama in their lives, but also like fighting for like equality Mm -hmm. and for family. It's, it's truly got everything. And I cannot wait to see what happens in season three. I'm going to need Liz and Max to get back together. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes what what can you say about the new season or maybe not much at all or we know that there's gonna be a doppelganger yes. of max yes 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 and that plays in a lot to the beginning and first of all thank you i feel like you just nailed all the 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 themes that we're most passionate about too family being one that i think people don't often like acknowledge which is mm. really we're after the the special thing about the show and by the way the original series and the book series it's all based off of is that these people grew up together in a small town so mm-hmm. our our like familiarity with each other and our history with each other is rich and that was that was something that was you know we were trying to tap into on the pilot going like nice to meet you i'm a big fan of pretty little liars hi tyler Piper. <laughs> and then now we're like four season seasons in about to be you know and it's that is the most fun thing to just the we love to create the little in between moments where there's like a look or a shared opinion on what's on the menu at the Crashdown Cafe. I want to go there so bad. Right? So good. So good. I want that Moon Man milkshake. I think that's what it's called. Yes. And there's a little Green Man milkshake. That's the one. I've had so much fun, like, you know, getting the language of the Crashdown Cafe into my into my like muscles enough Mm -hmm. to just spew it out as fast as she would, you know, having worked there to some degree from a young age. Oh yeah. How method, which is why you'd be perfect to go into waitress. Have you seen, have you seen waitress? Yes. And I, I live and I die for that show. She, that soundtrack is my, like, it's 5am. Let's wake up on the way to work. And like, just, you know, there's no one in New Mexico, so I can just sing that thing at full voice in my car. And we know you can sing because we saw Christmas on the Square, but we will obviously talk about all that because I, I don't want to veer away from Roswell yet. I would have been like on the set the first day being like, um, loved you in Vampire Diaries, loved you in Pretty Little Liars. I'd be, I'd be saying to you, Grey's Anatomy, come through. Like, <laughs> it's truly the show I think was made for me. As I'm as I'm talking to him, like, it has all my favorite elements in it. Some like cast members from the originals, which of course I watched, you know, it's it's everything. We have such a good time. We we got so lucky. We're all sort of in the same age range. We're all kind of in our early 30s now. And we're all, which, you know, is my favorite kind of actor is above all just there to make something great and to like make a great show. And everyone is so grateful and excited and um, has worked enough to know that when you're on something that is working and that you're having a good time with this group, you are in heaven, you know, and that's not something to do anything to ever, um, you know, uh, not support fully. So right. I feel so fortunate, you know, I love getting tea from other sets and being like, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy and comfy where I'm at. <laughs> well, that's like the CW, they really believe in the shows and they give them a chance to breathe and last a couple of seasons. And I mean, you'll probably have the job for a while until, you know, obviously the storylines run out or whatever, but I think it, it really shows the chemistry and everyone just is 
gorgeous and it's just great. Also, I love the actress who plays your mom. I know I know her from something, but her voice and just she is so iconic. I I loved her. She plays Birdie. She's so she is such a hoot man. She plays Melissa Fumero's mom on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There it is. That is that what it is? Mm-hmm. So we, Melissa and I met, you know, we have this like really beautiful community of uh, Latina actresses who just get together occasionally and we are always in communication. I just adore her. And I loved her in Brooklyn Nine-Nine before I got to like meet her at one of these meetings. And when I found out Birdie was going to be my mom, I, I mean, listen, I, maybe I'm too extra, but I don't, I, I'm very protective of my set in this way that I do feel, com- I do feel so grateful that we are comfortable and, and, you know, um, positive environment. So when new people are coming in, I do my research. I'm like, is this a person I need to like, the second they walk on that set, be like, just so you know, I don't stand for anything less than X, Y, Z. Welcome to Roswell, you know? Oh, you're amazing. I love that. You're the chief comfort officer, as you said. Yeah. You're trying to make it a safe place. I'm trying to make it a safe, comfy, happy place. And so I was, of course, just like immediately like, Melissa! And then we just loved, you know, it's like this, this group of actresses, Latina actresses of that age, which are getting to come on to these shows and play these fun characters because there is already a Latina fam- a Latina woman or um, a Latin family at the center of shows. And we're, do- we're trying to make more space for that right now. So it's really fun to just, um, you know, get to chat with them and, and just be, it just feels great to know that like they're getting more work than they ever have. And especially at the age that they are. Oh, absolutely. That was one of like our objectives in one of our like early meetings together, all these babes, we were like, okay, how do we get more of each other on our shows? Let's tell our showrunners we want our families on these shows. Yeah. That's been a, just a really wonderful way to filter it in. And, and, um, and yeah, Birdie was a huge win. And she just like, she just fucking blew us all away. She was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that, I know how these CW shows go. I know that the last time you see someone might not be the last time you see someone. So maybe we'll see her again. You never know. 100%. Dylan mentioned that the CW really does believe in their shows and they let them have a couple seasons to grow. And there, you know, you were in another show that I feel like could have gone on, which is the iconic Bunheads. Oh my God. I mean, Sutton Foster. Oh, crazy. Crazy. I loved that show. Oh, thank you. It was the most fun. I actually, I grew up like Sutton Foster was my like posters on the wall. You know? mm-hmm. So getting that job was just the most it was such a mind warp. I just couldn't even believe it. And I was desperately looking for something that I felt I could get an edge in and could separate myself from the pack in mm. that it was a dance gig, but that it was an acting job. And and it did exactly that for me. I wish it would have gone forever, but it did exactly that for me. And it just like really set me up moving with my acting career. And, um, and she was a dream of a number one to talk about a great number one. And oh, yeah. Is, I, if anybody out there follows her, which I'm sure most, most, most all of us do. All our listeners do for sure. She's <laughs> a crazy crafter, knitter, you know. Yes. And she, she does a lot of crochet, actually. But she taught me how to knit on that set. And I, to this day, it is my set hobby. I think of her almost every day because everybody, people will ask me all the time, especially if there's a new crew, they're like, you knit? And I'm like, yes, every actor should knit. It's like the best thing to do. I remember being young and I had a girlfriend who I grew up dancing with who played in at the Christmas Spectacular Radio, the Rockettes. She played the like young Clara. Anyway, and I remember she took me backstage and all the Rockettes were like in their dressing room. They're all stretching and like, you know, in the splits and stuff. And they were all crocheting and knitting. And I remember at that age being like, 
I wonder what, what that is. And then seeing Sutton do it on set. And now it's my favorite hobby. And I've gotten a bunch of my girlfriends into it too. <laughs> I love that. It just keeps you busy and it keeps you creative and maybe not looking at a screen, you know? Totally. totally. I used to read on set, but it pops your head out of it. And now, and that's what I was doing on Bunheads. I was reading books. I remember I was reading I don't know why I remember this, but I was reading Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, wow. I kept like reading like two pages and then call, called in and two pages and called in. And I just like looked at Sutton and I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm crocheting. You want me to teach you? And, and she just sat there and started teaching me. And I'm like, this is, this is insane. Oh my God. And you were probably what, like 19, 20 at the time? Like it's 20, 22 around there. I know. So you think you can dance was right after high school for you. So yes. you were very young and just catapulted into this crazy business um i do have one thing to say about bunheads i'll never forget your first episode and the crazy entrance that you and was he, he was your brother yes nico pipash who's amazing yes. yeah. oh my god that you guys shook things up you really did oh, thank you i um almost killed an ad on that job amy and <laughs> amy and dan paladino who Cameron Palladino, who are, they now do Maisel, which we all are gagged over. Oh, we are, yep. And they wanted us to both write in on Vespas. And (laughs) I've never, you know, done that before. And I was like, I'm sure I could learn, like I could do it. And I I almost took out an AD. It was not great. Well, you're not European. So why would you have ever been on a Vespa? You're not Lizzie McGuire in the Lizzie McGuire movie. Okay, but wouldn't I love to be? Right. It's still my live stream, but... Oh, good. I remember watching that in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. Which it was such so exciting <laughs> for something that we'd only seen on our TVs to suddenly appear on the big screen. You know, like that was huge for us. Yes, yes. I think it taught me what a Vespa was, amongst many other things. But you were talking about Sutton Foster, and it kind of reminded me of a question we ask all of our guests about this ring of keys moment. That Perhaps Sutton was it for you, but it's this moment of recognition when you realize that you wanted a life in the arts. Do you feel like you have a ring of keys moment? It could be Sutton Foster or otherwise. But oh, I mean, listen, she definitely played into my being like, you know what, you could do this. And, and you know, we'll get to, to Christmas on the Square, but this is, here's another crazy sentence. Dolly Parton was another person that just reminded me you could, it was, it was validation of getting to do this and getting to uh, thrive in the arts and be the kind of person I want to be through it yeah. all. The two of them are just so that, but to be honest, I, I, this is, I don't know how, but this has just always been a deep knowing for me. It, I didn't really have a moment, you know, I, I just remember being very, very young and the TV being on and watching probably like the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, some of the young actors on and looking at the screen and just thinking to myself, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Weirdly deep knowing, even at that age, just being like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's for me. I'm one of those people. <laughs> and, um, and really just like not thinking twice about whether I would find my people or be accepted into our community in that way, you know, or whether I would find my right avenue or, or whether it would be hard or how hard it would be to do that. Just Mm -hmm. going like, that's my thing. That's why I'm here to do that. And I'm so grateful for that because I, I think that um, total certainty that this is the thing has meant that I have persisted through it always, even through hard times or, or, you know, like uh, dry times, mm-hmm. just going like, but this is what it is for me. And, and so we, we just keep going. Like, that's it. We make it work and we do everything we can to just continue to keep going. Oh, I love that. Are you glad that this is the path you followed? A hundred percent. I don't know how anybody does anything else. I love, 
so much and I love us so much and I the the thing about like you know one day maybe meeting a man who I'm like excited to have children with (laughs) (laughs) the idea of having children I'm like I can't wait to raise my children around actors and around artists and I can't wait to like give that to them and um I just this is it like this is it for me I think this is like if, if it sounds remotely interesting to you, I say, this is the life. <laughs> yes. Have you, have you gotten into directing at all? No, I haven't. But, you know, I, I don't intend to do that on my show. Okay. That was what I was going to ask. <laughs> how does Ellen Pompeo do that? They're like, you know, yes. Debbie Allen. Like, how do they do that for Grey's? Like, okay. They're insane to watch them. They're machines, machines. But so two of my co-stars on Roswell, Heather Hemmons and Michael Trevino, Heather actually is directing, she directed episode 307. So we'll see that this season. And she kicked ass. She's so great. Um, and Trevino hopes to direct soon. And I'm really rooting for him. So hopefully- Oh my God. I don't have an aspiration for it on this show, just in that I am learning so much every day and I'm exerting as much energy to to receive what I can from this like specific position of leading a show and and to like give my whole self to it. And to be honest, the camera, I'm excited about collaborating with people who love that medium, who love like playing with the camera. She's not how my brain works, you know? Mm-hmm. But I do, I have directed theater in the past and oh. I totally see myself directing theater at some point again. But, you know, my, actually, my, one of my neighbors, um, Adrian Campbell-Holt, she's an incredible theater director out here. And um, I, you know, I like to pick her brain. But she, seeing what she does, I'm just like, oh, my God, I just have such reverence for it that I'm like, it might be a long while, but I'm excited. My brain works like that. I think it's the dancer in me. I'm excited mm-hmm. about um, manipulating space like that, thinking about bodies moving around space, less about how the camera is moving to these bodies. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Wait, I just realized what I want to see you in on Broadway. Tell me. Chicago. I'm I'm trying to think of a role where you can really show off your dancing, you know? But I want to see you as Velma. I don't want to see you as Roxy. I want to see you as Velma. Agreed! Agreed! Oh, I would die for a Velma moment. Are you kidding? We we need to make Broadway happen. It's been the through line throughout this entire recording, and you've got the chops. I mean, you are an unreal dancer. Well, thank you, my friend. this, This was really a big part of moving out here. I just was like, all right, it's time to do that. I love theater so deeply. I love a rehearsal space. Mm. I love like sweatpants on, hair in a top knot, like confused, <laughs> trying to <laughs> just birth something and create something and do something new and, and being like sweaty and surrounded by people you're excited to be building with. So I've been missing a rehearsal space deeply lately. So um, I'm excited to find that again. And I, I've just been sort of, you know, talking to friends, being like, don't like please call me if you're even doing a workshop or a reading or we're getting together and having wine and like talking through something i miss that so much it's just so fast tv so coming here was like returning to that process for sure yeah you mentioned that you always wanted to just be a part of this and you felt it in your bones did you ask your parents like hey can i do dance classes or i mean i know that miami has like a very you know obviously being a really cultural hotbed of Mm-hmm. you know, music and dance and everything. Was that something that just you knew you wanted to do or your parents thought, oh, we need to do this for her? My mom always wanted to be a dancer. My mom, you know, is a, an immigrant. She put herself through college and she was raising my older sister and working full time. And she just didn't have the luxury of having the time to 
to do a after school activity, you know? Mm -hmm. So she was, she was set on my younger sister and I being the dancers because my older sister had no interest. She was like, no, thank you. No, so um, my mom was always putting me in dance early and, and they have always, I think the way that I've had a deep knowing they've had a deep knowing. And I'm so fortunate in that way where they were always supportive and they always were like, yeah, you're right. That is what you're meant to do and what you're built to do and what you're, intended to do. And so I, they always said, yes, they started putting me in voice lessons at like 12 and um, I was doing school plays and things. But when I started to understand that, like you had to be in LA or in New York or have a manager, I started asking those, you know, precocious young Jane being like, I need a manager. <laughs> and my parents were like, no baby. They were like, listen, we, as much as you want train and as much as you want access we will, we will give it to you and we will, we will support you in that way. As long as it's here in Miami and you're here with your siblings and we're here with our like greater Cuban American community. And I'm so grateful for that. Cause I, the day I turned 18, I called up an agent and I started auditioning for commercials in Miami, which there wasn't much, but I was just trying to get side points to hopefully be able to join the union by the time I landed in LA. And I had a totally normal childhood, just like longing to, you know, get to LA, but I, it was full and I had access to all the training and uh, I wouldn't do it in any other way if I didn't go back. I love that. It's like, how can you, you know, you guys have the flashback scenes and Roswell to school dances and scenes in school and things like that. Obviously I do love that y'all are playing age appropriate on Roswell though at the same time. I don't know what magic is done to make everyone look just a little, just a little bit younger. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. It's some like CGI voodoo. Yes. You know, a side park goes a long way for me, we've realized. Or like give them bangs. Like that's always, that's another old trick is like throw bangs <laughs> on someone. But I love you're able to tap in then probably to those experiences in Miami of what it was actually like to be a teenager and as opposed to just think what you think it would, would have been like. Because some some child actors never get that. Totally. And listen, I do really feel and I love telling this to people when I'm like speaking to young actors. It's like we all have our journey. It's all built exactly as it should be for us. Mm-hmm. There is abundance and there's space for each of our artists in this industry. And you just have to keep moving on your path without any noise about how it could have or should have been before day by day being present with it. That's the best thing you could possibly do. You're not late to this party. Wow. You're giving me chills right now. Oh, I love that. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have to tell you though, you were on Grey's Anatomy, which I still watch, you know, I'm still on the Grey's train. What was that experience like for you? Cause you came in when they decided finally to bring in a bunch more interns to kind of spice up the, the show again, you know, yeah. and were you on it for one or two seasons? I forget. One season. And I'll tell you this, it was, you know, I love this for just like the actors listening or anyone who's just like on their path and going like, how does this make sense? Sometimes we're not intended to see how it makes sense in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, I had done a pilot with Krista Vernoff 100 years ago, and I've done a lot of failed pilots, but everything was so much learning, you know, and Krista and I really hit it off. I knew we would work together on more things. And we'd done a short together that she decided she wanted to direct and all this stuff. And Krista was handed over Grey's Anatomy again. She was there in the beginning and Shonda said, okay, I need you to come back. And, and mm-hmm. she came back and she started the season. One of my best friends who I grew up doing theater with in LA, Jake Pirelli had gotten a one episode co-star on the show. And he called me, he's like, he was coming back to LA to do this co-star. And about a week later, Krista called me and was like, hey, 
would you be down to do Grace for me? And I'd actually done a pilot that year that didn't get picked up. Was that the one with Florence Pugh? <laughs> the pilot I met Krista on was the pilot I met Florence on. Wow. So it was like a gift of a gig, that gig. Yeah. Even though it didn't go anywhere, it was a gift. And, and so she called me, asked me if I could do Grace, if I'd be interested in doing a guest star on Grace. And I was like, girl, if you need a dead body, I'll be there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's truly what I responded with. And then Jake and I started realizing they were pinning us for the same episodes. It was about like a month before where we had, we were sitting at a cafe and we were eating um, Cubanos, like Cuban sandwiches. Mm. And um, it was a little, maybe a little too on the nose. We were talking about how much theater we've done together, but wishing that we could do uh, a, a TV gig together and like, it's like, we'll turn the set together every day. Literally a month later, we both ended up getting this intern gig on, we play, you know, res, like residents, medical interns on Grey's Anatomy. And um and it, they didn't tell us right away. Like they sort of feel it out and see whether people are jiving as they should, as right. clearly as I do on my show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, they they put yeah they brought in this little group and they they liked us and they just kept pinning us. There's like two episodes, two episodes, and it was like twelve episodes. And we we're like, oh my god, it was it was really like just such a gift of a job, and it positioned me to enter pilot season that year. And get this gig, which I don't think I could have la- like landed this gig. I went from a year of grace, and then I I did the pilot for Roswell, and they were so gracious, and they were like, "We're gonna write you out in this way that if that show doesn't go, we're gonna take you right back." Mm-hmm. And I just thought, like, what a, what the hell? Like, th- it was just such a, a gift. And then Roswell took off, and they have just been the most supportive since day one. Ellen was always so funny. Uh, Catherine Heigl, who Ellen calls Katie. Right. You know, or you call her Katie. I've heard that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she just was like so tickled by the fact that Catherine Heigl had done the original Roswell. Yes. And she was like, I just love this. Like Katie goes from Roswell to Grace and you go from Grace to Roswell. I love, I love this. <laughs> In her like Boston. Her Boston. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm living for your Boston Ellen impression. That was amazing. I really, I don't know if it's just like so many like crazy Russian Cuban ballet teachers just yelling at me for so many years. Like I respond well to someone just being on their voice and direct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love her. I was just talking about her last week. She's just so cool. And I already talked about this on the podcast, but like, I need to say it again. She was tweeting at a fan who tweeted at her like, I hated this season of Grey's. It was all about COVID or whatever. And they were like, blah, blah, blah. And Ellen responded like, that's okay. You know, we make it for people and some people are going to like it. Some people aren't gonna. She's like, honestly, I only watched the, the Sopranos all the way through. That's the only show I ever finished. So if you're still watching, we're grateful for you, but we appreciate the feedback. She's just like, cool. I don't know. And that woman cares so much. She, I mean, it was really cool to see her. I was on season 14 and we would rehearse a scene. We'd be like, you know, doing our rehearsal about to block. And she would just, you would see her just sort of get quiet every now and then and be like, you know, this doesn't work. I think we need X, Y, and C. And just addressing stuff with stuff with such care still 14 years in. I'm like, what the hell? And of course that you were partnered with Andrew DeLuca, who, I mean, he's no longer on the show now, but the two of you, that was, that was smoking hot. Those scenes. That was great. I loved that duo. I was so sad when your character was suddenly written off, but I think that the way that it happened would be true to life in a way, you know, as, as a little bit, preposterous it ways as those things could happen. It was a DACA storyline, right? Yes, it was. And it was such a gift. It's the way that they were able to do that. It's like, well, of course it would have to happen so quick, you know? Yeah. I had, I just, I had such a great time with Giacomo. He, he, Giacomo Giannotti plays Andrew. He's just such a giving, you know, actor. And he was also a newbie during his time when he came in with that. Mm -hmm. 
volunteer class. So it's a really great environment there. I, I had such a positive experience and I just was grateful for that, like launch pad, like getting to watch that machine work before mm-hmm. starting and creating our work environment over at Roswell. And we all contribute to what that looks like. So it was hugely, hugely satisfying. Well, yeah, I mean, you were able to take what you learned from Ellen and probably Debbie and also then looking back at um, Sutton and like these different strong women over the years, then you were able to take it to your set. I think that's really impressive. And Jeannie, I'm having a weird moment here. I literally can't believe we're talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to be talking to you guys. I I mean, I truly have been listening to your podcast like nonstop. (laughs) Thank you. I'm gagged. That's so sweet. Okay, so... Before we move on to our closing segment, we have we've teased this the whole time, but we've been talking about Christmas on the Square, which was the gift we all needed. And I was gagged for Dolly Parton, but Christine Baranski means the world to me. <laughs> so I am just I would have been in heaven if I were in that film with you guys. Oh my God, Connor, you have no idea. She is like my North Star. Like, had you asked me even a day before that job happened, like who do you emulate, you know, or <laughs> emulates maybe not the right word but who do you go like that's what i'd like to do to some degree and this is such an inspiration it, it would absolutely be christine bransky like oh my god i die i remember seeing her in the birdcage young and just being like elegant i forgot she's in that movie it's iconic that she's the, the mom yes she's so good and and seeing her you know her transition from theater to film to movie musicals and like back around again. And Oh my God, her in the good, the good fight. Like she's just, she's so in her body and on her voice. And I, I'm obsessed with her and um, her daughter, which not many people know this, but her, uh, her daughter, Lily Coles is on Roswell with me. She plays Isabel Evans. Now you have to unsee it because they sound so alike and they have, they're both just like the Amazon, just like pillars of women. Yes. So the whole of Christmas on the square, I would call her Lily's mom. And she was so funny. She's got, you know, grandkids now from her other daughter, Isabel, and um, also named Isabel. That's probably a weird mind thing for (laughs) For Lily. Lily, And so she's like, oh, if I could just, I can't remember what her grandkids call her. It's like grandma. Oh, I can't remember. Let's say it's grandma, right? It's not grandma. It's something much more elegant. Let's be real. Of course, for her. Is it just grandmother? (laughs) Or like grandmama. Yeah, something like that. But she's like, if I could just be grandmama and Lily's mom from now on, like that would be enough. She would say to me, she's like, I just love that. She's like, I'm sick of the other stuff. I just want to be Lily's mom and grandmama from now on. And I truly called her Lily's mom the whole, and she loved it. She would laugh every time. So, and I love, I love making Christine Ransky laugh. Janine, I need to tell you that there are few times in my life when I'm truly gagged by something. <laughs> like, sh- I'm shocked. I had no idea that was her daughter, but now it is her mm-hmm. daughter. I'm telling you, between Jake and I manifesting the gig together over the Cubanos, and then, which that sentence sounds like maybe it was Cuban men, which Jake wouldn't be opposed to either. <laughs> Girl, same, you know what <laughs> But and then the, the lily of it all and getting to work with her for a couple of years and then getting to work with her mom, who I've just been like drooling over for so long. Yeah, I believe. I mean, everyone just sit down and call some stuff for yourself. I, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you're si- singing and dancing with Dolly <gasps> on screen. It was unbelievable. I just like don't even like I feel like I I had that summer with her and I know everyone who's worked with her feels this way, but I feel like I could write a book on how much it gave me. And I know this sounds cheesy, but just stop your jaded heart for one second. Listeners, she is pure goodness. And 
she, I think the reason she is who she is and she has, she's an icon, Mm -hmm. an icon. And maybe that's not even if we can afford for her, you know, Dolly Parton. And, and she, everything comes from such a source of goodness and she just wants to have, she just wants to brighten everyone's day. She just wants to create something that might make you a little lighter that day. And the talent, it's so effortless. She would rewrite. I mean, it was all original music for her and she would just rewrite bits on on the fly like on the day and watching her work was like such it was it was amazing i just thought you know i think we often start to get noise about how do we how do we be this enough how do we be that enough or how do we how do we um summon the kind of people we want to work with if they're that indie or that weird or that and the, the bottom line is to just be presenting yourself and to not have any noise about being good and cheesy and extra and loving what you do that is dolly Parton. and if she, it's working for her to the degree it has worked for her and the gift has given so many people surrounding her just operating in that way that none of us should have noise operating that way either. You know? Janine, I think that you clearly take that and you bring it to everything that you do, especially to this podcast today, because I am just so thankful and inspired by you. Um, we do have one last quick little segment to do, and then we're going to let you free you into the world. But we we end on a dose of drama and Connor will explain that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, Dylan's going to pass it off to me, but it could be something you want to rant about, rave about, recommend promote, share with the listeners. And I'll, I'll kick mine off today. And I I truly thought of this while I was talking to you, but I remembered in the early days of, of quarantine, you know, in 2020, which could have been 100 years ago, but it was truly only a year ago, I was on Instagram and your co-star Michael Vlamis was doing a like merchandise giveaway. And it was just like, tag a friend. I tagged a friend, aka my brother, and Michael sent me a t-shirt. Yes! I should, I'm going to grab it. Hang on. I'm going to grab it and show you. I love this. Connor's, Connor's in love with him. So pass along any, any good words there. Oh, yes, I absolutely will. Michael Glamis. And, and I mean this with love. He's like, he is, he's my brother. Oh. So I can get him to do anything you guys need. Oh. <laughs> Connor's got it. Michael Glamis t-shirt that you are holding up right now. And it's the hot pink. Uh, which I was obsessed with too. <laughs> oh my God, obsessed. I love him. I don't know what you guys were saying because I took my headphones out, but um, if he wants to give me a call sometime. Done, done. You're already in his DMs, so so yeah. This is how generous Michael is. It's like, Vlamis is what we call him because we have a couple Michaels on our show. But this is how generous Michael is, is that if I told him like, hey, he'd be like, cool, okay, so when are we meeting? Like, do I fly to New York? Can we hang out? Like, he's just the most down there you know, he's, I love that man so much. And he's a hustler. He works his butt off and I love a hustler. So we just, we just like fell in love the moment we met. I'm like, oh, you're my brother. I love oh, you. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I love it. But anyway, I love him. Dylan, dose of drama. I just want everyone to go see Zola, this new movie that came out. If you get the chance, I don't want to say too much, but it's based on a Twitter thread. And it is about the craziest um, experience that a woman had, named Zola had. And I, I literally don't want to give much away, but it's stylized. It's highly femme. It's, it's incredible. And I really hope that Coleman Domingo is remembered come award season because he needs his flowers. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to watch it. I, I'm dying over everything. I also am obsessed with Succession and Nicholas Braun, who plays Greg. Oh, and he's perfect. He's perfect in this. Cousin Greg. Connor looks like Connor was like, it's Cousin Greg. I am obsessed with him. He understands the assignment every time. He understands the assignment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's so Especially great. in this movie. But Janine, do you have a dose of drama for us today? Oh man, okay. I don't know if this is drama, but I just this is this is on my heart and I feel I need to share. It's just Jean Smart. Jean Smart oh. this year. I'm just her and Hacks 
is mm-hmm. thing on television. Like I could just watch her walking around that mansion in Las Vegas and saying snide little remarks to people all day. Just mm-hmm. loop. Like just just give me B-roll of her walking around that mansion. Yes. And her in Mayor of Easttown, I just I just cannot. I also love um just like a solid, consistent, always understands the assignment gives it all actress. And mm-hmm. when a year like this then comes where it's just like, here, here, give us every, we're going to give you everything because we're just lucky to have you, Jean Smart. Mm-hmm. I love celebrating it that, like the most. The mo- it gives me so much joy that she's working at this level right now. And I'm just like, no one, stop. Let's just let's get her on the stage. Yes. Get her on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know but let's go into those DMs. <laughs> I know. Let's do it. Jenny, you could not have said it better. We love her. And you know, she was the voice of Kim Possible's mom on Kim Possible. What? Yes. You can hear it now. You know what I mean? She's got that that voice. I'm shocked and I love mm-hmm. it. I was like, I feel like she's always been with us and she has. She really has. Yeah. Just like you will be, Janine, because your career is going to continue for ever and ever and ever. We're going to have you back one day and you're going to have won a Tony and done a million other things. Oh. And we are just so thankful that you took the time with us today. We cannot wait to see you as a woman in STEM once again oh. on this upcoming season of Roswell, New Mexico on the CW. Obviously, everyone needs to stream it. You have a couple of weeks now to catch up. It, they're beautiful 13 episode seasons, which that's all I can ask for because these 20 something episode seasons are kind of can be a slog at times. So it's all right. And Everyone should follow you at It's Janine Mason, right? Yeah. On Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Oh, you guys, this has been such a pleasure. I adore you both. And I am so glad you're doing this. It's such a joy to just hear from people on this channel. So keep going, keep going. Oh, thank you. I'm a forever fan. You're amazing. Good luck with everything. Can't wait to see Viral too. Are you filming that now? I just wrapped at like three in the morning on Saturday morning. I had a whole long night with Sarah Silverman, who I, I'm obsessed with. And um, she's trying to set me up with someone. So pray that she pulls through. Or she will, if anyone will. I see her as a matchmaker. As you're saying this, I'm like, I could totally see her being like, oh, no, I have a friend who you're going to love because they do this, blah, blah, blah. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, Janine. Thank you so much. Dylan, this was so fun. I know. Everyone should follow us at The Drama Podcast. Me at Dylan McDowell. Connor is Connor McDowell. And Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.